Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at U-D-Pod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guess it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere. Podcasts are given away for free. 99. I know what you're thinking. D-Palm. The episode title. What a cheap attempt at getting clicks. How dare you capitalize on this personal life something you would never do i always sit here and talk about do you like football or do you like this television show named football well guess what kids the tv show did monster ratings and i'm not an idiot look it's working for jason and his less talented brother for those of you who don't know jason kelsey and his less talented brother travis have a podcast it's hilarious i believe it's called new heights after where they grew up in ohio love the show um and one thing you could notice watching the show is there's one star on the show there's one captivating intelligent, well-spoken guider, leader of men, if you will. And it's not the tight end. It's the center. But when you watch what happened in Travis's life the last two weeks, you watch the Kelsey podcast go from a big sports podcast, which is already cool. It was like two active players who are brothers having a podcast. It's huge. But now it's the biggest podcast on the planet. Why? Because the name and the title of this episode so if I can get MTR one, two, maybe even three more clicks, hey, it's what my job is here. Now, actually, my job is to talk about mortgages and stuff, but this is what I do for a passion project, and this is another proof that is linemen over everything. I posit to you, particularly after watching Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey leave Arrowhead in the most platonic, stilted way possible, that she had her eyes on a winner, but she realized that Jason Kelsey was married, and so she settled for the tight end. That's right. We all know what the ladies love. Ladies love linemen, and that's because we're the smartest, most intelligent people in the world. Now, if you really want to get my real true thoughts on this Taylor Swift thing, got to break out the old tinfoil hat, because first and foremost, I want to just point this out. Taylor Swift's effect on football. And I know a lot of people who are listening to this are football fans and maybe not Taylor Swift fans. I am one of those, not two of those. Um, but even I'm I'm not ignorant to her cultural impact. The question of what culture, what impact that may be. But hey, look, I think she's the vengeance of all those girls who grew up loving the Backstreet Boys and then realized that the Backstreet Boys never had a number one single. That same generation of women grabbed a hold of Taylor Swift, told their daughters to also grab hold, and said, we're going to get this woman to the top. And they've done it. And she's lived to the billing. She's selling arenas across the nation. God bless her. But when she hit football, things changed. According to uh, sportswear and fan merchandise company Fanatics, Kelsey Jersey was one of the top five in the NFL for Sunday. He saw a nearly 400% spike in sales throughout the network of sites. 400. Fox Sports announced Tuesday that the game drew 24.3 million viewers, making it the weekend's most watched NFL contest. The ratings may have been down some from the same window last year, but there's one huge demographic. Females from 12 to 17, up 8%. The Kansas City game also led the uh, female audience in every major demographic. It is... uh, it's funny how this is happening, how quickly it's happened. Uh, you had Bill Belichick out here during press availability cracking jokes. If it's true, it's the best catch he's ever made. Watch it, Bill. Some of us tell jokes about sports. Some of us are unlikable 
uh, dour assholes. Stay in your lane. But let's go tinfoil hat. Let's talk about why I think my conspiracy theory is the one that's got the most legs. Why is this happening? What is going on here? And the answer is Travis Kelsey's getting used. Is he getting used by Taylor Swift? No, she's not increasing her. The, the, there'll be very little flow of her back into Taylor Swift from football fans. I'm just calling it a, call it a guess. But who's then who bono? Who benefits? Qui bono, as they say in old detective stories. Good thing I'm here to tell you. Because on October 13th, Taylor Swift will be dropping a project on Amazon. This project is a culmination of the last year of her life. It's a recording of the tour that, like I just mentioned, sold out arenas across the globe. A true, true cultural moment. They made a video of it, a movie of it, excuse me. I own a documentary movie. I'm not sure what they're going to call it. But it's coming out October 13th. If you'd like to join me, Thursday night football, October 12th. Let's just, just curiosity and see who's playing on the Amazon platform the night before this drops. Click on this link here. I know the answer. I'm just kind of you know, stretching it out for myself. So, October 12th, the Broncos are visiting the Chiefs on Amazon. The day before Taylor Swift's new documentary drops on Amazon. A month after the Kelsey documentary, which is right now, guess what, number one on? Amazon. I uh, I don't care who dates who. I, these kids are happy. I'm going to be happy. When Travis Kelsey realizes he's been used, <laughs> will be a very funny moment because she going to write about you. If And if she doesn't, that's even more. Like, yeah. Poor Travis. Well, I had the whole rundown written out. I was ready to do the whole podcast. And then all of a sudden, Damian Lillard gets moved to Milwaukee. Now, we could talk about kind of the X's and O's. We'll do some of that stuff uh, this weekend. We got Nata on talking uh, on Sunday for the flagship show, dropping Monday. But I want to just kind of look at how we got here. Portland Trailblazers front office had a new GM. And Joe Cronin went out and said, we're not going to give our star player what he wants, which was want, not just a trade, but a trade specifically to the Miami Heat. And Joe Cronin, just so you guys know, is largely thought of in league circles as overmatched for the job that he has. You're seeing some, you're going to see a lot of articles today and over the weekend saying, oh, good thing Cronin held out. He held firm. Dog, you got Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, who they could not get rid of fast enough in Phoenix, and nothing. Unless you've got a second half of this trade where you're going to move Drew for a lot of prospects. I think the better package was Miami. And what's interesting is now we watched a GM do this out of spite, kind of. And then we watched him use machinations through the media. Because certain sources were saying, oh, the Trailblazers want more than what Miami's offering. It's just not good enough. What's really meant was Joe Cronin doesn't like being backed into a corner and is willing to light his life on fire to do so. And because these media members have to contain these relationships, they're, of course, going to say, hey, Joe Cronin held, st- held stuff in a tough spot. I guess. But unless that Drew Holiday deal is out there that I don't know about, sounds like somebody cut off his nose to spite his face. Let's be really real. The Bucks. this is good for the Bucks. Last time Giannis's, uh contract was in question, 
and he said, hey, we got to win more. They went out and got Drew Holiday, brought him a ring. This time, contract in question, got to win more. What's the biggest problem for the Bucks last year? Inability to score when Giannis isn't on the floor in late game offensive generation. Well, congratulations. You got a microwave. And for the, the team that's not even in the trade, but you have to talk about when the situation is the Miami Heat. Because they let go of Gabe Vincent. They let go of Max Struess. And part of that is saying, yes, we bet on ourselves to be able to generate those same players within our organization. We trust our process. But part of that also was to clear a little space, both on the floor and on the cap, to facilitate the move for a Damian Lillard. And I could already hear Miami fans, hey, we're all in on B, we're moving on. I get it. This has to hurt. And <laughs> the joke I've been telling my friends on, on group chat since this happened was, they're going to trade Drew Holiday to Miami. <laughs> just, to, just to smite Dave Lord. And I hope it doesn't happen, but it very well could. Blockbuster three-team deal, can't believe it happened. Um, I guess, fine. The Braves captured the 1C. Congratulations for the Bravos. Ronald Acuna Jr. created the 40-70 club, 40 home runs, 70 stolen bases, which is insane. Um, again, I talked about kind of how do we gauge stolen bases in this day and age with the pitch clock and, you know, people having to throw the ball on a certain time. But that's a conversation from another day. Today we celebrate uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. and that front office for locking down all those players until my son's probably 15 years old. Now let's talk about my favorite sport in the world, the greatest sport in the world, the sport of kings we talked about last week, college football. And I want to talk about just kind of, hey, we're going to clean some things that we didn't get to talk about on Sunday, on Monday's show, excuse me. First things first, Lou Holtz versus Ryan Day. When I was in high school, so this is legitimately 20-some-odd years ago, ugh, we would watch film on Saturdays after Friday night games. So it was my junior year, so 2001, and we're in uh, the weight room after lift, but before a film, we're talking about something we had seen Lee Corso, Sarah's TV was on the weight room. And we're talking about Lee Corso, or, uh, uh, um, excuse me, Lou Holtz, saying certain things on game day. And we're talking about, talking about, our coach walks by and says, what are you guys talking about? And we tell him, and he says, it's so funny they call him coach, he ain't coached nobody in years. No one will pay him to coach, but they'll pay him to talk about other coaches. And it froze me. I was like, oh, shit. It kind of changed the way I looked at really sports media. And the Ryan Day thing, while adorable and, like, very funny and cute, and if you didn't see it, Ryan Day got very upset post-beating Notre Dame by saying, Lou Holtz called our team soft and called us said that we didn't play hard in big games and that, you know, um, uh, this proved him wrong. Well, Ryan, you scored on a short yardage situation against 10 men. If that makes you not soft, cool, you got it. But, like, there were some missed fourth down conversions throughout that game. There are other places in that game where you'd be like, mm, I guess you win, but do you? So, while I do think that Lou Holtz was definitely out of line for saying that, <laughs> this is also the same thing that literally everyone got mad at Dan Lanning for, everyone gets mad at Dion for. Guys, the art of college coaching is find grievance, exploit grievance, manipulate children. That's it. And... Sometimes the grievance is real. Sometimes it's imagined. Sometimes you're taking the words of an 87-year-old man who was talking on the Pat McAfee show in any way to inspire your team, which makes me ask the question, Coach Day, why are we using Lee Holtz to get up? Why is Lee Holtz the one inspiring your team? Why can't it be just, hey, we need this dub if we want to achieve the goals that we have for ourselves this season? Hey, Notre Dame's put themselves on the map a little bit with some of these wins. 
Time to put him back down. I don't know. I wouldn't have needed an octogenarian to get my team up for that game. But that's just me. Coach Prime. Post game, I had a bunch of notes written down because he had said some things that I thought were a little kid blamey. Um, he said something to the effect, they aren't playing me out there. They're playing the kids because if they're playing me, they have a bad day. Well, first and foremost, they are playing you because the kid didn't come out and tell us how great they were going to be, that they were Louis Luggage, that they were going to be that, 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 that. No, kids didn't do that shit. You did that shit, coach. Sanders, don't. Yo, and the rest of y'all indulge in this coach prime more shit. Grow a spine. If you're, in, if you're in Boulder and you have to to keep access, I get it. But national guys, like, you guys are better than this. Not all of you. Some of you are better than this. Um, it's just weird. It's, I think it's weird. I think it's interesting. It's going to be, if you think Coach, Coach Sanders is there for more than two years, God bless you for being the dumbest man alive. But for him to say, to even begin to pivot towards the kids in this, nah, man, the kids didn't ask for the eyeballs. The kids aren't on every interview platform in America all week. And I'm not denigrating Coach Prime, Coach Sanders' work. He's clearly got the kids ready to play sometimes. But now you've got like other talking heads who are friends with Sanders saying ridiculous things. Keyshawn Johnson's on television this week. Somebody in the coaching organizations gave inside info on Colorado to Oregon. The fuck are you talking about, Keyshawn? Did they point out the weights on the line? What they do is circle, highlight height and weight, and like, you got him, coach. What? Run inside, dive a bunch. What the fuck are you talking about? Not one coach in America needs someone else to tell them, hey, Carl's pretty bad against inside run. It's weird, though. It's a very weird season. Um, Georgia's playing. But now, it's, I'm recording this on September 27th. This weekend, we're going to get the Auburn game, Georgia-Auburn, in September for the first time that I can remember. And I said this before the season started. I'm not worried about this game intellectually because Auburn's dangerous in October, in November. November, Auburn is horrifying. October, Auburn's weird. September, Auburn, let's get this dub. But okay, of course, things are going to happen. Things could happen. And nothing's going to go wrong. So I'm bracing myself for that because I'm broken as a man. Other top college football games this week. Not a whole bunch. You got USC going to Colorado, kicking off at noon, uh, which is a 9 a.m. kick out in Boulder, which is wild to me. But if you thought that the Oregon game was bad, this one could be just as bad for Colorado's defense. The other upside is that USC's defense is not nearly as good as Oregon's. So maybe it becomes a boat race in like first one to 60, but I don't see this as a very entertaining game. It's a pretty light week as far as watchability rankings. Um, Texas is hosting Kansas, two ranked teams. It's happened at 3.30. Georgia Auburn's at 3.30. And again, going through this, LSU will miss at six. That should be something to watch. But again, there's not a whole bunch of stuff I'm sticking my teeth into until we get to the 7.30 kick on ABC. Notre Dame visiting Duke. And I didn't think I'd be interested, but I, they have my attention. Uh, Alabama's going to Mississippi State at 9 p.m. And then Wazoo, or Washington, excuse me, will be on the showcase 10 a.m. Pac-12 after dark as we wind down that bevy of goodness. So now we're going to do the thing we've been doing midweek and doing all our NFL picks. I will be keeping track of them going forward. So maybe I'll go back and listen to the old podcast. Maybe I won't. But Right now, we're going to kick off with this week's Thursday night pick, um, Lions-Packers. It's two front runners in the division by process of elimination. The, pa- the Bears are not a serious organization, and the Vikings are intent on employing Kirk Cousins. So they'll never succeed in anything. 
So coming off that knowledge, having watched the Lions uh, in the local game here last week uh, for Atlanta versus Atlanta, and I watched the Packers two weeks ago, I got to tell you right now, I like the Packers at home. I like the Packers getting the points at home. Um, and I think Jordan Love could be something really, 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 really real. And give me the Packers plus one and a half there. Uh, one o'clock games on Sunday. Excuse me, not one o'clock games. The London game on Sunday. We're giving them, let me check notes, Falcons, Jags. Eat it, London. <laughs> Jags are favored by three. I'm taking the Jags. Neutral site. I think it's very cool. Like, I work in mortgages. I work in real estate type situations. I think it's super cool that Jacksonville and the cons are getting a final walkthrough of London before they move that team across the pond. Because if there's one thing they've been very, very, very clear about, they want to expand the NFL across across the ocean and the cons of the, t- of the family to do it. And Jacksonville, sorry, you're the city to get completely left behind. And I would feel bad, but you're Jacksonville. But your favorite this week, give them, take the three points. Um, I think they're going to win. Dolphins, Bills. The Dolphins dropped 70 points last week without Jalen Waddle. And I know, this isn't the Broncos. God bless us. This isn't the Broncos defense you're playing. The much better Leslie Frazier at the Kelm defense. That said, we've seen some things this season that I have not enjoyed. When Josh Allen's gotten pressed, we've seen a lot of the flashes of bad Josh Allen. And if there's one offense that's going to press you, and even at home, it's going to be Miami. Uh, I think it's very advantageous for the Dolphins to be going to Buffalo in week Three, excuse me, week four, as opposed to late in the season. So it's going to hit them um, some life on the road. And Mike McDaniel, he's going to scheme for you. And what I love about watching McDaniel's teams run offenses is that he's not someone who you're like, oh, because he's in charge, they're running this kind of offense. Sure, it's a Shanahan base, one cut zone read offense. However, when you look at what's happened with Ibraflus and the squad in Chicago, it feels like to me, outside looking in, they're a squad that says, hey, we run quick game stuff. We run three-set West Coast. But you have a quarterback whose skill set isn't advantageous to that. And maybe weekly by weekly, you shouldn't be running the exact same thing. What McDaniels has done is he walked in and said, hey, what do we do best? And then he looks at defense and says, okay, well, how can I exploit it? If you watch the game against the Patriots, which was on Sunday Night Football, it was very interesting to watch. Of course, Belichick was going to take the deep ball away. To watch the game plan be adjusted pre-kickoff. To say, oh, we know what they're going to do to us, so we'll be already into our next adjustment. We're not going to wait until a quarter or two series in to adjust. We're going to adjust preemptively, do a little self-scouting. How would you defend this offense? And then work our way from there. And because of the versatility shown that week, you had different reactions coming out of the Broncos, and then all of a sudden, 10 touchdowns later. Good God, I can't eat 10 touchdowns. Uh, The line is 2.5. I'm taking the points on the road for the Fins, 2.5 plus. Uh, Next up, the Broncos versus the Bears. I'm not going to evaluate this game. Sean Payton is somehow employed still as of this recording. The Bears are three and a half point dogs to a team, or three and a half point favorites, excuse me, to a team that lost by 50 last week. The Broncos last week lost by 50 football points. And right now, that same Broncos team, they're favored. They're favored by three and a half points. Give me the three and a half. It can't get worse in, 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 in Denver, can it? It's got to turn around at some point, and hopefully for them, the Broncos game, the Bears game, excuse me, is it. Next up, we have Ravens-Browns. Boo, Deshaun Watson. I hate the fact that he was decent enough last week to where I had to 
not feel great about that recording and the things I said about him. Not about him, but about his play. The defense is real for the Browns. They may have found a way to adjust for that Nick Chubb. Todd Monken, it's not going that great, buddy. How about you coming back to Athens to get Mike Webber out of my life? That would be really appreciative. Um, I'm taking the Browns minus two and a half. I think the Ravens are on the way back, but I also think that they have lost a lot due to injury and also timing-wise, you take away that preseason game. So I'm going to take the Browns here just because of the strength of that defense. Uh, next up, we've got Bengals and Titans. It's the end of the road for the Tennessee crew, even with the hobble Joe Burrow. Bengals minus two and a half. Uh, Rams, Colts, seek counseling game of the week if you don't, if, if you if you are betting on this game. Please don't. Also, don't believe in Gardner Minshew. Give me the Rams plus one. The Bucks and the Aints, question you must ask going into this game. Do you trust Jameis Winston? Question you also must ask, do you trust Baker Mayfield? I've chosen neither, but I do hate the Saints, so I'm taking the Bucks plus three. The commie is going to visit the Eagles. Philly offense has been misfiring on if you watch on TV and they're going to tell you how bad they've been. But if you're actually watching the games, you watch this margin of victory go up every week. You're watching more and more things fall into sync to them, fall into place. You've got to generate headlines. I get it. That's why you're trying to blow up some things that maybe are not there. That being said, give me the Eagles minus eight in this game. Vikings-Panthers, not a night game, not a close game. Kirk won't be able to give it away despite his best efforts. Vikings minus three and a half. Uh, Steelers-Texans, that's a good line. They set it at three, or it's at three right now as we're recording. CJ Shroud versus that defense, though. Look, rookies looked great last week. He beat the, the Jaguars, but mm, this ain't the Jaguars. Give me the Steelers minus three. Raiders-Chargers, Vegas visiting a city they left to play. Uh, visiting, they left to play a team in that city that doesn't care about them. And after watching, once again, the Josh McDaniels um, mismanagement of the clock last week, I do firmly believe he should be arrested. Raiders plus five and a half. It's just too many points. Five and a half is a lot of points. And while everyone's told me how good Justin Herbert is, he hasn't actually won anything. Um, and I think that they're not good enough to not blow it. They'll still win, I think. But I think the Raiders will close it down late. Pats, Cowboys, Zeke Elliott saying it's just another game for him. Trust me, Zeke, for the Cowboys, it's just another one, too. Get right hand for a hobble defense. Get right game, excuse me, for a hobble defense a week into the new reality. Give me the Cowboys minus seven, figuring it out. Uh, Cardinals, Niners, a lot of folks didn't know who didn't know that Josh Jobs is actually a rocket scientist have been impressed. But everyone who does know that because they watched a lot of Tennessee football on SEC uh, Saturdays with uh, Vern uh, know that already and will not be snowblown by the recent success of this team. Niners minus 14. 14? Is that still the line? I wrote these out yesterday. Good God, 14 points is a lot of points. Give me the Niners. They've looked like a damn uh, – and it's not the postseason. So, yeah, give me the Niners. Chiefs-Jets, hmm, you mean we've got a Sunday night game that isn't necessarily going to be competitive, but we've also got news that Taylor Swift's coming, so we're going to pop a rating. Oh, I see you, NFL. Y'all ain't slick. You guys and Amazon, everyone's winning except for Travis Kelsey. And the second he realizes it, it'll be better for everyone. I – Ooh, buddy. Um, Chiefs minus nine here. How dare Aaron Rodgers? How dare he be injured at home saying his team needs to tighten up? Show up on McAfee from a fucking hospital that said, I wish we wouldn't see such uh, a reaction to adversity. Aaron, need I remind you, you're, when you react to adversity in Green Bay all those times, need I remind you how you openly and loudly decried some of the moves of your front office. Now you got him saying, oh, we shouldn't have fans or legends talking bad about the team. Motherfucker, get to rehab. Go listen to some dolphin sex noises. Jesus. Chiefs minus nine. And then Monday night, Seahawks versus Giants. I don't know what we've done to, to the Lord to, to earn this, but um, 
I refuse to back off my Daniel Jones jokes. The mouthful is terrible. Seahawks plus one and a half. Okay, guys, those are your games for the week. That's a lot of the news we're going to get to this week. We're going to get to, on Sunday, Nat is going to be on, talking about the Dame trade, talking about all things that happen in college football, and uh, a couple of the stories I didn't get to today. That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys next week.